Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Anthony Hernandez, a.k.a. Season Salt, with your next episode of the Not A Paid Sponsor podcast, hosted by Anchor. Uh, in today's episode, I give you an update on my health condition. I've been out since about April, but I've been active on Twitter. For those of you guys who don't know, we'll get an update on that. Also, we take a trip down memory lane. We talk about UFC 30, uh, 239 and how the fortune favors the bold. All that and more on this episode of the Not A Paid Sponsor podcast. Well, hello, everybody. It's been a very, very long time. Last episode updated for the podcast was, let me check. Boy, oh boy, bear with me. April 11th, six days from the most life-changing event that I've had to uh, experience, um, as you guys have known. Uh, I was recently diagnosed uh, six days after my last episode. I was diagnosed with uh, stage three colon cancer. Uh, I had to go to the hospital and have a uh, bowel reconstruction for them to remove a very, very, very large tumor. Um, but nevertheless, you know, I would like to thank the staff at North Central Hospital as well as Mount Sinai Hospital, South Shore uh, Communities Hospital, which is also a Mount Sinai affiliate for saving my life, man. It was pretty tough. Um, a lot of ups and a lot of downs. Um, for those of you guys who follow me on Twitter, um, I do posts usually every time I head out to chemo or something like that. Um, I'm actually in the process of, while recording this process, uh, recording this podcast, receiving my third dose of chemotherapy. Uh, so from what I've heard, the science behind it um, is a lot different than what it used to be. It's no longer a uh, puking your head out in the toilet kind of experience, even though I feel extreme discomfort and massive side effects from the treatment. Uh, for the most, uh, usually about three to four days uh, after treatment, I'm up and running. And then I have a whole week to recover before we do it all over again. Um, the good news is that uh, as of right now, um, I am gaining weight. Uh, I dropped down from 210 to about 145. Um, I dropped even as low to about 140. And uh, I've been able to kind of make it back up slowly but surely. But the prognosis is good. Um, I have a very strong support group, both um, in-house and, you know, obviously all you guys that have been showing me love, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, you guys have been nothing short of... Um, the best. I've been reached out to people who have who've gone through uh, cancer treatment and, and, and all all walks. And to all of you who have reached out to me at any capacity and wish me well, I love you. Um, and to those, you know, I, I don't know. It's just it's it's been crazy. It's been super crazy. But I've had a lot of I've had a lot of time to just be retrospective and and how I feel about the way I, I am and I was as a person. And I can only hope that this experience um, will just make me a better human being and maybe motivate me to, to just bring better content out there. Uh, this is my first shot at recording a podcast. I did record an Instagram, uh, excuse me, a Twitter video talking about um, most notable UFC upsets, but this was prior to UFC 239. Uh, for those of you guys who weren't there uh, for the live uh, video on Twitter, uh, my one, two, and three, <coughs> pardon me, uh, my one, two, and three uh, for most shocking upsets and this is only because of where I was as a fan at the time of it happening. Obviously, Aldo versus McGregor. Uh, well, I won't say obviously. This is just my pick, so I apologize again. Uh, Aldo McGregor was, not, I think, number one. Silva Weidman was number two. And Bisping, Bisping versus Hendo was my three, I think. <clears throat> Correct me if I'm wrong. I um, I did smoke a joint before I decided to record this podcast. But those are my one through three. You could put them either way. They both, All three of those have equal significance to me. The other uh, were the ones that, uh, that you could kind of toss around. Uh, that I taught, I chose to toss around. Obviously, uh, Leoto versus Shogun, DJ versus Cejudo, Home versus Holly Tate, Home versus Rousey, Cyborg versus Nunes. Um, so naturally, yeah, 
I mean, and Ben Askren said it himself. I mean, it's just like, I'm not going to change. This is my first loss. And yes, it, my first loss came in the most critical way. You can't help but still rally a little bit for Ben Askren. Um, I know a lot of people who I follow very closely on Twitter were very critical of Askren and were really, really, really heavy on the chat shit get banged philosophy. And, um, you know, I, I hope that after the, you know, the dust has settled that, you know, these are fighters and their job is to sell the fight. And Ben Askren, for what it was worth, is a, he was undefeated. Whether you take his one championship victories and Bellator success uh, into high regard, you know, his record, he had a solid record. I mean, he was undefeated up until this point. Um, a lot of people are using this knockout. Uh, oh boy, here goes the damn phone. Hold on. I'm going to pause the podcast and I will be right back. All right. I am back. I apologize for the delay. Um, so, well, it wasn't really a delay. You wouldn't know anything about it. Just had a couple of phone calls come in back. Where was I? Yeah, I only hope that we could kind of move forward from this and kind of respect the fact that these guys are warriors. You know, they go up in there and personalities obviously may, com you know, conflict. But Jorge Masvidal is a family man. Ben Askren is a family man. And, you know, for what it's worth, the, the match delivered uh, to either fans' delight or dismay. And, uh, you know, damn, it was just devastating to see Ben Askren go down like that, man. I, I actually was a fan of Ben Askren. Uh... I always, you know, I never really had a problem with anything he was really saying. He was just being, you know, he's just like that, that one annoying friend you have in high school, you know, and um, he got his fucking head knocked off for it. So, uh, God willing, he said he didn't have any, or he appears to not have had many severe adverse side effects other than losing those five seconds of his life. Um, and I hope to see him again soon. Obviously, a lot of people are speculating who he, who he, who he, who he would be fighting next. And uh, I am of the mindset that maybe him and Darren Till should go at it. Um, that might be an interesting matchup for uh, Askren and both Till. They both have a little, you know, he's got unfinished business there. But, you know, that fight can come in due time. I'm not in a rush to see any of those guys back in the octagon anytime soon. So with that being said, I will put the elephant in the room to rest. Um, I guess the number two topic that I had uh, listed on my notes for today, this might be a short podcast. I do apologize. This is my first attempt at recording uh, post uh, life-changing experience and I just wanted to get a couple of notes off my head um, Claudia Dahlia uh, had said after her fight uh, her recent victory she wanted to fight Joanna Jonjacic uh, after uh, winning her fight at UFC 239 uh, this fight that she won um, give me one second it was lack oh boy I'm not I don't want to be the one to say it you know what I'm saying it wasn't the most thrilling fight um You know, and Joe Rogan was highly critical. Uh, she fought Ronda Marcos, I think, uh, during the prelims, the ESPN prelims. And Joe Rogan said some pretty critical, critical, critical things about uh, Claudia, about how she wasn't adapting uh, to the, you know, to the circumstances of the fight. She said that, you know, he said something to the effect that this is not a product that should be advertised or on ESPN. Um, you know, and shit, man, that one hurt even for me to listen to. You know, that's it's really difficult. That's a really hard thing to say, um, considering, you know, Claudia's been around since, I mean, she even said it in her pro, her post-fight interview, you know, she'd been, been, she's been around since pretty much the beginning of the time, you know, not with the w, uh, UFC, but in other promotions and, and, you know, not everybody's going to have a great fight. You know, we saw Derek Lewis, Francis and Ghana. We've seen plenty of fights that have just been patty cake contests. Uh, Rashad Evans, sadly, uh, towards the tail end of his career was having very uneventful fights and then usually ended up with him getting knocked out. Um, you know, everybody's had, everybody's had a, a, a bad night. I just didn't think it was very appropriate to slay her like that in the main event. Um, but nevertheless, she's shooting, she's shooting high. She wants to fight Joanna and maybe that's a fight that 
might be interesting for Joanna, seeing as that I think she's coming off a loss of from uh, Valentina Sevchenko. Uh, and yeah, fuck it. kudos to her that she won, albeit a boring fight. But hey, I've seen much worse. Um, next on my notes, I had uh, next on my notes I had uh, Luke Rockhold. Uh, his knockout. Uh, he, this going. Uh, this being said, for Luke Rockhold, um, this is his third knockout. Uh, this is his third knockout, and it just is devastating, devastating fashion. Uh, he's just, you know. I know a lot of people. This again. This this um, Ben Askren. Uh, the Ben Askren Masvidal fight and the Luke Rockhold fight were built well in Luke Rockhold's pr uh, predicament. He wasn't really beefing with Jan Blakovich. He was more kind of setting his sights on Anthony Smith and John Jones. And part of me was kind of nervous because it just seemed like he wasn't really focused on John. You know, it seemed like a lot of the questions were, you know, a lot of be a lot was being made of his comments about John Jones and and, and you know fighters like Anthony Smith. And, and maybe that showed. Maybe maybe that showed. Um, again, he's been very susceptible to these cross, you know, these cross strikes. Um, he's been viciously knocked out now uh, three times in a row, similar to in the same fashion as Cyborg. Cyborg uh, Nunez was Nunez when she found that right, over, that overhand right, it just worked her way to the victory. You know, same thing with Cody Garbrandt when he just decided to stand and bang against TJ twice, and then um, Rivera. You know, it just. These, something's wrong here. Something's fundamentally flawed with the way maybe some of these strikers are getting hit because, man, it, it was heartbreaking to see Luke go down like that again. I hear he suffered a broken jaw. I really hope... Look at that. I mean, I'm looking at the MMA news um, stories re relating to Luke Rockhold and Jan Vlachowicz is basically saying, he's like, Michael Bisping is the one that helped me knock out Luke Rockhold. You know, something. There, there seems to be some sort of tell. I know Jason Perillo, when... Uh, discussing the way that Michael Bisping had won against Luke Rockhold. He definitely said that there was some sort of tell with the shoulder movement or he was circling a little bit uh, awkwardly, and that was what gave Michael Bisping the uh, the advantage. But, um, you know, what's next for Luke Rockhold? What's next for him? He tried moving up. He was having tough, tough time uh, with the weight cuts. He tried his hand at light heavyweight, and it's just not working for him. And, and now in more devastating fashion, you know, should he retire? Should he continue fighting? Um you know, they say a lot of these fighters, power is the last thing to go. So maybe he's still got a couple left. I mean, we've seen fighters like Mark Hunt hold out for a very long time, especially in the heavyweight division. I mean, in the heavyweight division, that's where you got all the dinosaurs. You got the Overeems, you got the Mark Hunts, you have the Stipe's, you got the DC's. You got a lot of older people there. Um, and that's because power is one of the last things to go. So uh, I'm going to be watching Luke very closely to see where his head is at going forward. Obviously, it's not in a very good place considering that part of it is broken, uh, i.e. his jaw. Um, I hope he has a speedy recovery. I did see his leg wrapped up from obviously that shin injury. Um, Luke Rockhold definitely had a lot of kicking power. I'm very apprehensive. I'm, I'm very curious as to see whether that played a role, uh, the condition of his leg played a role in his uh, unfortunate loss uh, to Blagovich. And um, yeah, man, that was just, it, it, I mean... Just to go show you that this night of fights was shocking. Uh, I wouldn't say shocking because some people, a lot of people, pretty, pretty like I said, pretty much everybody who was supposed to win won. Then again, at any given time, everybody has a puncher's chance. But uh, you know, it was devastating to see Luke go down like that night. Part of me felt bad the same way for Askren. And then going home, to, uh, going to my next topic, obviously Holly Holm. Holly Holm ends up getting her head kicked off in the same fashion to which she dropped Ronda Rousey and won the uh, bantamweight title. Amanda Nunes completely cleaned house solidifies her her position as one of the top if not the top uh one of the top ufc competitors and i'm gonna say it just like that i won't say female ufc fighters 
she's definitely making a case for being one of the top pound-for-pound UFC competitors. Um, uh, With me saying that, the reason why I say it just like that is because I know there was a reporter, uh, Darren Revel, who made a a critical comment regarding Amanda Nunes. And uh, for the record, I know this is going to be super girl power right now, and I I am very well aware that none of these UFC female UFC fighters that I choose to talk about will never sleep with me. But I'm going to say it anyway, you know, because they do deserve it. Um, you know, Darren Rubble made a comment saying that she's not marketable. You know, she's not marketable. You know, i.e., how Ronda Rousey was, and I I think the culture surrounding fighters and their marketability needs to change. I think um you know I I would wish that the fighters would take more uh initiative in you know securing their uh, you know making sure that their marketability is secure you know that they know that at any given point they could they could hang with the best of them um you know it was a little critical i i I actually got a little butthurt when i read that um and also is it ethical for mma journalists or people covering mma to determine the marketability Uh, i'm not familiar with darren revel's uh strategy um, but it's definitely a little different from what we would see from Ariel Hawani, even uh, Luke Thomas, uh, Brett Okamoto. They're very, you know, they don't make statements too much like that. If anything, some of the good, better, uh, some of the better MMA journalists out there tend to spin things in a more positive note. Like, how does this benefit the UFC? Yes, they're critical of some decisions, but I, I, you know, you don't often see true MMA journalists questioning the heart mind and soul and you see some reporters do get in kind of trouble you see obviously now brendan schaub uh although he's not an mma journalist he is an mma critic uh, and critic exa- you know critic is the exact word to describe obviously he's another one that kind of he said something off the cuff uh, in his previous podcast saying that you know amanda nunez is not anywhere near close to being the goat because of the depth of talent in, in the women's divisions the length of you know the length of the divisions being active in the ufc um i and and to that i say poo poo i say poo poo to that um a lot of these women that are competing in the ufc have been competing in mixed martial arts or some form of combat well before the women's divisions were established in the ufc and have miraculous some of them have miraculous tenures in their previous organizations and i don't think that just because they're in the ufc discredits them that any you know you know is that did he say that just because no he really didn't he said it because that's how he sincerely felt you know, but it's a narrow-minded statement. I think he meant it more to the effect of that. Obviously, there wasn't as much exposure uh, in the females' uh, def- fight divisions in the UFC prior to them, you know, obviously being created. But you know, do a little bit of history, man. Some of these women have been fighting longer than many of the men that have been around, and that should not be held. You know, the fact that they didn't fight in the UFC should not be held against them. Um, so to that, I gotta say, poo poo. I love you, Brendan, but that one, I, definitely a, a miss for me. Um, and then you know, then again, who am I? He fought in the UFC, then I, I didn't. Maybe he, you know, it's just the way he genuinely feels. Uh, but I, I'm for one, we definitely, I, I would definitely like for us to change the culture. Uh, I, I wish that eventually, it, like I said, it could be just me being retrospective, man. I've just gone through a serious life changing experience, man. And I, I don't see, like, don't get me wrong. I could be pretty negative and pessimistic. And even after I was diagnosed with my condition, I was like um pretty pessimistic about a f- certain things. But like, call it a moment of clarity. I'd much rather just not say things like that and, and diminish somebody's value and speak down to someone you know obviously i know there's a lot of push and pull over the term goat especially in mma where you can't script it things happen we've seen so many shocking upsets which is why i had made that list that i had mentioned in the beginning you know what do you think are the biggest upsets in the ufc and after listening to this podcast why don't you guys tell me what's up what do you guys feel are the biggest upsets in the ufc history and have they changed since ufc 239 i definitely would put the ben Askren one up there uh versus 
um, Jorge Masvidal just from sheer shock value. Okay. Amanda Nunes beating um, Holly Holm. That's also another one now that you throw up there. Um, you know, I, I know that I apologize. The podcast notes are a little out of order because the last topic that I was going to be covering um, after the whole um, girl power segment was um, a, lot, a question that was brought up to me about Diego Sanchez. Uh, Michael Chiesa uh, went up against Diego Ch- uh, Sanchez here at UFC 239. Uh, this is now uh, Michael Chiesa's second uh, fight at the welterweight division. And I couldn't speak any higher of Michael Chiesa. It really, you know, ever since that that little scuffle with Kevin Lee, um, he decided to move up to welterweight. And he has looked nothing short of spectacular. Um, I was listening to the Ariel Hawani show, and he was talking about how strange the pressure was palpable uh, leading up to the fight. And even so much during the fight, there was an awkward encounter between Diego and, and Michael where Diego was digging his finger up his uh, Michael's butt and uh, giving him a prostate exam that I thought was pretty funny. And, you know, but obviously it's like he's not he's humble. Michael Chies is humble. He's out there trying to do his damn thing. And, you know, who's laughing now? Uh, you know, obviously out of the whole Kevin Lee, uh, Michael Chiesa debacle, who's laughing now? Michael Chiesa is now 2-0 and in welterweight. Kevin Lee hasn't had that amount of success. And, I, you know, I'm rooting for Kevin Lee to come back at the Motown Phenom. I liked his attitude. It was a little... Was it a little bit toward in the pompous area? Sure. But what fighter isn't annoying to some extent at one point or not in their career? One, you know, everybody has a little up and down because they're experimenting. And, you know, I'm hoping that Kevin Lee ends up bouncing back uh, sooner than later. And we'll see a, a much better version of him soon. I know he was absolutely devastated um, when he lost against uh, Al- Ali Quinta. And, um, but yeah, that breaks the question. You know, how do we handle the curious case of Diego Sanchez? Obviously, his fight was recognized with uh, his fight with Clay Guida was recognized in the UFC Hall of Fame for being one of the best fights in UFC history. Uh, a super honor for him and Clay Guida. And shout out to Michael Bisping and Rashad Evans for being inducted to the Hall of Fame this year. Um, but back to Diego, um, he's kind of a guy that wins two, loses one, wins two, loses one. You know, he's a win two, lose one kind of guy. But sometimes that one that he loses is in tough fashion. He wasn't knocked out. He wasn't submitted. But he, de- you know, he definitely was kind of beaten from pillar to post. And that sucked to watch, especially because I'm a huge Diego uh, Sanchez fan. Uh, and I'm also a huge Michael Chiesa fan. And, and it just definitely sucked to see, you know, like these two guys had to cross each other's paths, you know. And Diego tried maintaining that crazy energy, that unique, uh, almost ethereal energy where, you know, like you said, you can't put him inside the box. You can, nobody could put him inside the box. And unfortunately, Michael Chiesa was the one that put him inside the box. And that leads us to ask, this final question before I end this episode. I know it's a little short. It's only about maybe 22 to 25 minutes long, but where do we see Diego Sanchez? I mean, he's still competing at a level where he can definitely show some of the newcomers uh, a thing or two about what it is to fight in the UFC. Uh, I think he won, his, he won his last fight prior to Michael Chess. I forgot the guy's name. Pardon me. Um, but he has the level to compete. He's competing against some of the young and up-and-comers, but he's having a tough time breaking against... Um, opponents who have been in the UFC and, and deal with this kind of pressure. Obviously, Matt Brown, Michael Chiesa. And, and, you know, where do you guys see? I hope you guys listen to the podcast. Give me whatever feedback you want. Also, um, feel free. The Anchor, uh, if you guys listen to the podcast on Anchor, it's the easiest way to send me feedback. I can listen to your messages. I can add them to the podcast and answer your questions live. So um, I'm really happy that uh, I was able to muster up the energy to re- record, um, even though it's been now 23 minutes uh, like I said, it's going to be a short one this week. I just really wanted to get back on the mic and let you guys know that I was okay, uh, you know, and that I've been very well active on social media uh, despite my condition. And I appreciate all the love. And, you know, let's continue doing this whole thing together. I love you guys and I look forward to seeing you again, hopefully, sometime this week, if not early next week. Take care. 
I want to thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Again, I apologize that it's a little short in nature, but obviously it's the first episode that I've recorded since I've gotten out of the hospital. Hope you guys come back, listen to more episodes. We're going to be longer. We're going to be having guests soon, and we'll be doing much more. Love you guys. Hope you guys have a lovely evening.